0: Forever!
1: Dog! I think I was born eclectic with the yin and the yang and the the dark and the light and all of that. So while I was able to be pulled to a dark side, I inherently had an earnest quality, shall we say, and sweet. And that really gave itself, I think, to the casting for a lot of the 80s movies that I did. I believe I lead with a kind of kindness and sweetness, uh, but there's obviously multifaceted colors for all of us, as we all have.
0: Welcome to Household Faces, the podcast where a character actor interviews other character actors. I'm your host, John Ross Bowie. You might know me from The Big Bang Theory or Speechless or one episode of Fresh Off the Boat, where I played a corporate improv instructor named Lance. Our guest this week is Is Annabeth Gish. You know, Annabeth from Mystic Pizza or the West Wing, X Files, more recently Midnight Mass. She's had a long 30 plus year career that kind of goes all over the place. We talk about that. We talk about quitting temporarily for about four years right at the beginning of her career so she could go get an English degree. We talk about the ups and downs of this business. And uh, I simply. Do not ask if she's related to Lillian Gish because that's a popular misconception, and I know she isn't. So there, please welcome Annabeth Gish. Annabeth Gish, I have a confession to uh, to make. We're gonna begin with uh, with with a confession. I saw Mystic Pizza for the first time this past weekend.
1: Wait, what? How old are you? <laughs>
0: I'm exactly your age, I'm exactly okay. your age. We're the same age, um okay. and I will will get into the numbers, but you and I know what that is, yeah, yeah um, exactly we but i I, um, I don't know you know, and it's funny because I, I, I looked up you know what else was going on in nineteen eighty eight and I was just I would have been the kind of dick who was like you know watching uh Terry Gilliam movies <laughs> and going over to a friend's house and, and renting your racer head and you know that kind of thing and, i um, i
1: I did those things too.
0: <laughs> um well yeah, but you you had a very, very good reason to see Mystic Pizza being, you know, in it. Um but you mentioned that. It's, no, 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 it's... no, no, no.
1: I watched Terry Gilliam movies.
0: <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. I mean that's that's fascinating that you had this sort of contrast between the sort of darker, introspective teenager who's, you know, really into the the quirky stuff and did this really wonderful holds up sweet romance. Did you feel sort of a push pull? Was there a moment when you were? I didn't expect to ask this question, but was there moments in that movie where, like, oh, is this the kind of movie I want to be doing? Or
1: <laughs> um, never during that time? No, I yeah. I think I was born eclectic with uh, the the yin and the yang and the the dark and the light and all of that, um, and I I so. No, while I was able to, you know, watch quirky things and be pulled to a dark side, I inherently had uh, an earnest quality, shall we say, and sweet. And um, and that really gave itself, I think, to the casting for a lot of the 80s movies that I did. Um, and still do, right? Like, I still have... Um, uh, I think I lead with a sort of... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Just what do you I, lead with? I, I, I believe I lead with a kind of kindness and sweetness. Uh, but there's obviously multifaceted colors for all of us, as we all have.
0: We're, we're jumping all over the place. I'm going to dive into a question I wasn't going to get to <laughs> until much later. Um, but uh, there is a tendency when you watch a bunch of Annabeth Gish work spanning 30 some odd years, you do notice a tendency towards uh, caregiving roles,
1: mm. Mm.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. whether it's the the girl who is the sort of de facto adult in her, her, her family in Mystic, Connecticut through the FBI agent who's an empath. Mm hmm. Um, And all the way through to um, the more recent uh, stuff, you know, I mean, you're, yes, she's a little sinister, but you are, after all, a a nanny in Hill House. You're an OBGYN on Midnight Mass. So, yeah, what is it about you that, do you find these characters? Do these characters find you?
1: Well, gosh, I mean, I would be so curious because you've done so many of these interviews with us actors and yourself being one. Uh, that's such an interesting question. I think um, inherently, yes, I mean, I am I am a, like I am a Pisces. I am an empath myself. I grew up a lot of my years as a people pleaser. I'm not so much anymore. Because I'm 50.
0: Sure.
1: And um, damn, I
0: I, I was doing so well. We we didn't have to bring up the number, and then you just (laughs) went went charging right into it.
1: I don't care. I really, I'm proud of, I'm I'm proud of my age and my endurance and and um, and my life. But but I, it's always an interesting question. Like, what magnetizes us? Is it the because some of us as actors, you know, and I, I had the opportunity with the bridge especially mm-hmm. and sons of anarchy yeah. to play very different um, harder characters which i love uh but yeah inherently i'm i'm i am a caregiver <laughs>
0: well there's <laughs> a lot of i mean I, there's a lot of don't mistake me. There's a lot of versatility and and range within these caregiving parts. I mean, there's massive, massive jumps between between uh, Agent Reyes and and your character on Mystic Pizza. But let's let's go back to Mystic Pizza for a second. To what do you attribute that film's appeal? It, it, it's I have my thoughts, but like, why is it that people are are still drawn to it? My wife, you know, is around our age and she lit up at the at the she had the same reaction when she found out I'd never seen it and lit up at the fact that I was going to see it for the first time. And it's really well done. It's a very sweet, well observed film with a lot of gorgeous little details. You know, her bringing out the uncooked pizza, and um, and just the, the the tiny little moments um, with the uh, with with Yale Dad, um, and you know, there's there's a ton of of nice little details throughout. But what do you think keeps people coming back to this film that did okay upon its initial release, but was not like a runaway smash hit?
1: I mean, I I could say it's in the spices and the recipe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, but I feel like you've said that before, though. I'm sorry. No, I feel like yeah. I feel like you did that on a junket in 1988. I, <laughs> I swear
1: to God, I have not. You, Kanchana okay. Farrell, Farrell, as Leona, says that in the movie. I
0: know, I know. She, the secret sauce that is uh, never revealed. Yeah.
1: Yes, you know, it's interesting because it's doing Mystic Pizza when I was I was 16 at the time. Yeah. Yes, which is a lifetime ago. There was something very galvanizing, alchemical about the, the casting of that movie in particular, which I do think, I mean, the the, the writing was amazing. Um, the story itself was amazing. Uh, but the cast, there was something really special about the cast. and The
0: cast is pretty magical. The cast yeah. is pretty magical. It's everyone really playing to... To strengths that they would build on later in their career, but they're already pretty fully formed. And you're all, you know, you're all hovering. You're the youngest, but you're all hovering around twenty, I guess. Yes. And it's a, um, yeah, it's 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 quite the ensemble.
1: I mean, it almost like plotted all of our futures in in essence, you know. And and I have a, I I don't want to say I have a love hate relationship with the movie because I don't I don't I certainly, um. Uh, have a, a a gratitude and a pride in it. There have been times in my life where I'm like, "Oh my goodness, I wish someone would not just associate me with Mystic Pizza because I have so much more of a vast repertoire of things." Sure. but at the same time, an iconic film, you know, and I think in particular my role as cat because i was so vulnerable and so broken hearted i mean we all three of us get our hearts broken yeah. um but archetypally were we are all manifestations of this different kind of um journey t- into womanhood and and somehow i think that's the magic of the movie i i really think that it captures the spectrum a spectrum at the time of of really authentic journeying into coming of age.
0: That's really well put and I, I also think Kat's appeal lies in her her out of placeness um, mm. perceived or or authentic that she may or, she may or may not be the smartest person in her in her sphere but she's kind of being pushed in that direction. Mm-hmm. You know, she's the one who's going to get out of town. She's the one who's going to go to Yale, and and I think everybody—I mean, who doesn't want to feel like the smart outsider at some point or another? You know, and I—I I kind of wish I had seen it when I was when it came out because I think it would have spoken to me uh, mm. in in much the same way. Uh, its darker cousin, Heather's, did, you know? <laughs> yes, um, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's got a little of that, like, you know, she's, she's a smart outsider. She's the cerebral um, uh, one uh, in this town of people who are very set, you know, living inside this pizza place. Um, yeah, it's and a, it's a neat d- piece of work.
1: In truth, in reality, that's exactly what I did. I, I grew up in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Yeah. I... Um, was cast as a young girl in uh, Desert Bloom as so I was 13. And then after Mystic Pizza, I chose to go to college. I went to Duke and took four years off right at sort of this little momentum spike, <laughs> if
0: you will. Right, it's right. It's right. It's right here. It's question number three. It's right here. I got okay. it. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm leading asked. you. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. So mm. you took a break pretty early on in your acting career to go to college. <laughs> there it is. But how does um, life uh, <laughs>
1: reflect art, or does art reflect life? Who knows? Indeed, I mean, you know. Indeed, mm-hmm.
0: um, which I think is is awesome, and I'm constantly, constantly begging the child actors I work with to take a break and go to college. And mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, one in six listens to me. But um, <laughs> but what mm-hmm. I, I love is not just that you went to college, but you went to college and didn't major in theater. What did you major in?
1: I majored in English stu- English literature with a, a certificate at the time. They didn't give minors at Duke, but a certificate in women's studies.
0: Okay, specifically in women's studies. All right. Yeah. Did you... Did you do a a, a senior thesis project? Uh, did you did you have a a, a cumulative I, thing at the end of your four years?
1: I did not have to. I did. I do remember my my senior year. I had to do an in person because I, this is such a great anecdotal story. I was studying in my senior year uh, Milton with Reynolds Price, who is a preeminent
0: yeah scholar. Okay. I've heard um, of Ronald he's Price. Yeah,
1: no longer with us, but was just this massive influence on me. Um, and I had taken spring break off to shoot a pilot for Wes Craven for Fortuitous and maybe foretelling of my horror uh, niche attraction. But I uh, shot a pilot with Wes, and during the time I was shooting, I lost—I had an accident and lost the tip of my pinky. Crazy, not on the film. But yeah, like weird, like I'm fine. (laughs) Anyway, point is I had to then return to college and do my final on Milton Paradise Lost orally because I couldn't write with my right hand. So I had to speak for two hours with Reynolds Price about Paradise Lost, which is worse than any kind of... um... (laughs) audition or anything like that because it was
0: just two hours long for academics one academics
1: and and with the most erudite mind so it was uh intimidating to say the least what but, was your take yes. on paradise
0: lost what was your uh, was it was it a sort of a standard like satan's appealing kind of thing or uh... listen
1: i think i think even a nice segue is midnight mass talks a lot about sort of angels who like fallen angels you know yeah. aren't yeah. Maybe we all are. I think I think Paradise Lost is actually a beautiful um access into religion because it shows how complicated heaven and hell can be. And where and do we want to live?
0: And how complicated <laughs> grace is.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Uh I struggled with I was an English major as well and I I struggled with Milton. I like Dante. I I clipped through Dante pretty quickly, but Milton kicked my ass for some reason. Mm. Um but uh but I love that so many of the people, you know, most of them, my guests were, were theater majors, but the second mm-hmm. most popular major is literature. Mm-hmm. And how do you think that's affected? Do you find, did you find your approach to acting changed when you got out and you had your, your degree in English? Do you feel like four years of, of reading the great works shifted your perspective in terms of uh, acting oh. at all?
1: Undoubtedly, yes, yes, yes. I I think having having I mean because English majors, English literature is about story and character and and I think if we're drawn to that, then that's the key any way in to portraying something or creation, creative any artistic endeavor is really about that. Um, so undoubtedly, I'm I'm so grateful to my parents, both of whom also are educators. Yeah, they're academics, so, both of them, right? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. yes. And and you know, it was it was sort of a contentious thing. Like right at the time when Mystic, it literally Mystic Pizza was showing at the Bryan Center Student Center my freshman year of college. So it was this very strange, paradoxical state of like, oh. You know, I'm I'm going to the dorm, but yet, oh, everybody's. Some people are going to see Mystic Pizza, (laughs) but like, um, but I'm glad that my parents advocated for that, and it was contentious because at the time, Mystic Pizza was this little gem of a hit. Um, as was Desert
0: Bloom. Desert Bloom was like a critically acclaimed small sweet indie that people really loved.
1: When I was 13, that was my first film. Good God. Yeah, plucked from the cornfields of Iowa. <laughs> totally. <laughs>
0: What was it? I mean, I'm not going to ask you what it was like growing up in Iowa cuz I never I never no one ever knows how to answer those questions because it's like I swear I grew up I don't know the difference. Um, but did you when did you get a sense that acting was something that you could do for a living? There's not a ton of there's like a couple community theaters in in Cedar Falls. Falls mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. Rapids, right? Falls? Correct. Cedar Falls. Falls. Yeah. Um you know, and obviously you you're, you're going to have you're going to have TV and film, but was there a moment where you're like, "Oh, that's that's a thing people do for a living." Do you do you have any recollection of that?
1: I you know I can't chart the course precisely. I just know that I from the very first moment I think um, "Wait Until Dark" was one of my play, first plays that um, I worked with on uh, at the University of Northern Iowa Theater Company. D. Terry Williams was the director, okay. and um, my first line Did you was play "What?" Play the blind suit? girl? No, no, no. I played mm. Gloria, the the young girl who the oh, neighbor course. young girl upstairs. Right? Isn't that her name, Gloria? I think so. Or maybe Susie. I can't. I, like, oh my goodness, uh, my memory escapes. But, but, but my first line was "What soup?" And I just remember that electric feeling of being on stage and connecting emotion, and so you're, you're the thrill of that. So when I knew I could, I still don't know. Can can you make money from this? <laughs> Is that is that here and you there? Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 such a strange profession, and I I have two children, and I I don't think either one of them will pursue this, and I don't know that I want them to. <laughs> I want them yeah, to have something da- steady.
0: My daughter's got the bug, and I'm always a little concerned. The, the upside is that she's got the bug and her parents aren't famous. Like she's seen me go through huge gaps of unemployment. I'm like, all right, honey, yes. this is, you know, daddy slept into 11 a.m. this morning. That's a possibility. That's where this <laughs> career could take you. Just heads up.
1: <laughs> but that's kind of uh, a blessing too. Like not, we're not the, in cubicles I mean, and-
0: yeah, believe me, I did my time in, in, in offices. I, I count my blessing every day, no question. And the, there are people who, who thrive in cubicles. It didn't quite work for, for me. But I think my, my daughter, whatever else you say, is getting a fairly honest appraisal of what this business can contain. Dad is right. sometimes gone or he's mm-hmm. just incredibly around.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Isn't he's eating his truth? feelings. Are <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect, perfect representation. Yes. Um,
0: so so how did you find the – had the business changed at all when you came back from your, your four-year sabbatical? Was the intention always like, oh, I'm going to go back to acting. I just want to get my degree. Um, how was it transitioning back into acting after after Duke? Uh,
1: yes. It, it. I don't know that it had changed. You know, when I think about how the industry has changed, I think about the last 10 years, 10, 15 right. years, how – just crazy mind-blowing change but no at the at the time yes I always I went to college knowing this is what I wanted to do I had the bug I loved it um, and and yet a college degree doesn't necessarily guarantee a, a role in a movie or a t- television show but I was I was fortunate enough uh, right after I came back, I uh, I worked on Wyatt Earp. So that was an, a lovely um, sort of entree back in after the time off. But, you know, to be honest, at that point in time, this massive like cataclysmic explosion of Julia Roberts had happened, you know, after Mystic Pizza. And so that was a very different um you know i i i just knew it was not my my journey was not going to be the same as hers
0: what when you all right i'll go ahead and ask did that bother you at the time
1: sure yeah i mean i think there <laughs> yes <laughs> of course i think in in candid truth actors we you know um even though I'm not, I don't think, a competitive person, I think there's always a sort of inherently fucked up, excuse my French, value judgment attached with success and fame.
0: In this particular business. In, particular in this guy. business, yes, yeah.
1: yes. And and yes, so when people reach crazy astronomical heights, then you think, oh no, did what, did, what do they have that I don't? So, but, but that takes a bit of maturity to, to um, you know, to navigate and hold the space for everybody in this, in this industry and know that those kinds of explosions of fame are rare.
0: They're really rare, and they're not all that they're cracked up to be, I think. Indeed. Indeed. Um, I, I think there's a great deal of cost that mm. comes with that level of notoriety
1: for sure. Um,
0: and what I' I'm, I'm finding doing this particular podcast where we focus on on, you know the support players um, is there's just a general sort of peacefulness about people who are occasionally recognized but are mm-hmm. by no means mobbed. And right. can absolutely go to Ralph's and just grab a couple of things yes. without it being, you know, an event. Yeah. Um, but work steadily and qualify for insurance, and uh, yes. you know, it's 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 not a it's not a, a bad life at all. What would it, it? What was it like to to come back? Because yes, you'd done films, but you'd done you know small four or six million dollar movies to come back mm-hmm. and then suddenly be on set of Wyatt Earp, and unless I'm mistaken, this is after Costner's one is Oscar.
1: Yes, for Dances with Wolves. Yeah, right. Yep. Okay, so yep. it's
0: it's you know he's got the wind at his back. This was probably an <laughs> enormous production. It's uh it's a it's a big big period. He'd done period mm-hmm. pieces before, but this is a big period piece. This is a f- massive western. Was that just a, an incredibly abrupt shift compared to your earlier filmmaking experiences?
1: Mm, that's a good question. It it was a there was a definite palpable difference between. I mean, it was a. Mass, I think it was Warner Brothers it was so packed with these gorgeous talented actors right between um Dennis Quaid and Bill Pullman and Catherine O'Hara was in it and Mayor Winningham and it was just this lovely um thing and 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 yeah, yeah, Gene Hackman, right? Like, I mean, I Gene Hackman's in there. Freaking Gene Hackman!
0: (laughs) That thing is so packed that we forgot Gene Hackman. That's Uh, how packed that movie is.
1: (laughs) Crazy to forget. Wow. You 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 know you feel the kind of um, electricity of all of that, but then at the you know all of it sounds like one thing, um, and then you get to set, and it's always the same, just like. The camera, you know, there's a hair in the gate, and <laughs> got to go again and
0: hurry <laughs> up and wait. And, this sort yeah. of
1: mundane process of um you know, the 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 high life is only when you have like the the premieres and all that stuff. but but no, i felt it felt special to be on that show,
0: yeah, I don't doubt it. yeah. Um, so it it is it is remarkable how smoothly you transitioned. Back in to to a career, um, and there's a there's a highlight of the '90s for me that that I want to f- for me in my in my Gish fandom, um, <laughs> which is The Last Supper.
1: Oh yeah, yes.
0: Which I, I'm surprised that movie doesn't get talked about more, given mm. what it's about. And I will yield to you uh, to to summarize it for the listener. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it, it certainly has its—it um, was very prescient, and I feel like it has its timeliness right now, actually. Yeah, it does. It's, uh, it's this sort of uh, quiet—it's uh, a it's college students who invite people over, and if they, you know, get aroused, these amazing political conversations and then kill them and <laughs> grow this tomato garden in the backyard— um, Directed by the late stacy tidal who who passed away last year um, sadly yeah from a l s and uh Jonathan penner, her husband but it was a, 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 such a smartly written, kind of like um almost west wingy political smartness. Um, but with sarcasm. it really got into
0: like the nuts and bolts of of American political thought, and it's mm-hmm. this group of leftist college students who find themselves killing off conservatives and and um, and are targeting one who's uh, clearly based on Rush Limbaugh, played by the great Ron Perlman, mm-hmm. um, and um,
1: who I worked with later. Then in Desperation, a Stephen King show, and then Sons of Anarchy. He was gone oh for Sons, right. but yeah.
0: That's right. Yeah, you yeah. had a few few, few Perlman. I, I stopped him and told him I loved his work one time at at uh, at Moza. He was very gracious about it. Um, the um, but was there a sense when you were doing that movie at the as talk radio was becoming, you know, the big way people got their political ideas across in those halcyon days before social media? Was there a sense of like, man, we got our finger on the pulse here. This is." We are touching. We are. We are on a live wire.
1: Uh, I would like to say yes, but you know, I mean, I wonder what the other actors would say—Cameron or um, Courtney Vance.
0: Ron Eldard is in Ron there. Ron Eldard, right? yes, yes.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, my God, I don't know. I think it was one of those movies that was before its time.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: I knew that we we felt like we were making something really rebellious. Mm-hmm. You know, but but who knew that it would become kind of a forecasting of our current political
0: climate? It's kind of it's kind of a warning shot to a certain extent, that film mm-hmm. um, at the um, at the the dangers of being absolutely convinced you're right. <laughs> mm hmm. You know, I say this is a fairly typical L.A. leftist, but, you know, it's it's an interesting, weirdly compassionate piece about the danger of, like, political groupthink.
1: Indeed, which is politics and re- religion as well, right? And very yeah. currently being played out right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's a... Yes, yes, you're absolutely right.
0: You brought up um, West Wing, mm-hmm. um, which also obviously sort of picked apart um, American political thought in a few different ways, especially those those earlier seasons where, where Sorkin was still running the show. Um, what was it about that character in that world that drew you?
1: Oh, my goodness. I mean, um, <clears throat> it was just pure... Pure gratitude and terror simultaneously. <laughs> you know, the idea of the honor of, of playing Elizabeth Bartlett, a Bartlett daughter, um, was was compelling. And I had auditioned for the show several times prior. Interesting um, for yeah, what roles? Um, well, you know, I think I think Janelle's role. I think I had auditioned for that.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then
1: there was uh, Christian Chenoweth played a character named Annabeth. Oh, that's right. Right, which I did not audition for, but I had I definitely had been in the room a couple of times. And then um, when this came up, Sorkin was no longer there. Um, but the show had such a, I mean, a pedigree and a legacy. obviously, I don't even need to say that. When I got the the role, I was just completely honored. And um, yeah, it was it was thrilling.
0: Was there a? It still was. It, it still was doing the Sorkin-esque fast-paced dialogue, long take thing. Yes. Um, even after he left, I mean, he had he had established a style that none dare mess with. And I haven't talked to a ton of Sorkin alums, but I've talked to a ton of Amy Sherman Palladino alums, um, uh-huh. who also have to do mouthfuls of dialogue without yeah. cutting. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have Do you have a trick? Do you have a uh, uh, is there a, a thing you go to for moments like that
1: Oh goodness well my w- truly one of my favorite stories from West Wing is is that my first day was a walk and talk with Allison Janney through the hallways of the White House and I was you know it was a steady cam shot there were it was you know it needed to be all in one it was <laughs> voluminous political speak and
0: <laughs> and she was an old hand at this point with it
1: and she I mean, she's Allison Janney. She was a legend prior. She'd already won many Emmys. And and yet, again, one of those actors who is just so warm and real and just never pretentious, welcoming. Um, But the best thing is that the sound, you know, where we wear our mics that are attached to either our bra or our chest or whatever, and... I was so nervous that my heart rate was being captured by so the sound guy had to come over after I like we had rehearsed and he was like, Are you okay? Like I think I need to move the mic because I hear your When The your sound heart. guy
0: has to give you a Valium.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you need to do some um breathing exercises and any anxiety? <laughs>
0: That's amazing. I've sweat my mic off, but I have never... um, uh, uh,
1: Rabbit heartbeated it off. I've never
0: rabbit heartbeated it off. No, that's that's something. That really is uh, quite a feat. But yeah, I mean, that would be the thing is that I've done... I don't know. Honestly, three or four winners in my entire career, and they're the most nerve-wracking thing in the world. And you, mm-hmm. and the the only thing worse than uh, screwing up a oneer is screwing up a winner near the end. Um, so yeah. everyone has to go the back that on. epic hallway. You know, it, it gets oh, more nerve-wracking shit. the closer I you know. get to the end. Like, I just have to finish this. Um, yes. So I'm I'm surprised that doesn't happen all the time, frankly, and, and I'm I'm sure there's plenty of people whose whose hearts have have raced oh, off their mic. <laughs> I
1: I think it's so universal, and go to go back to your original question about the memorization process. You know, doing that monologue when I was 25 or 27 or however young I was, versus just this recent um, monologue. I had some several wonderful meaty monologues for Midnight Mass. Yeah. So doing that at an like at 50 when your brain <laughs> is a little slower to memorize. Uh goodness, I had to I had to study my ass off for Midnight Mass monologues for sure just to get it in there.
0: Do you do flashcards?
1: I don't do flashcards. I um sometimes I We get
0: super technical on this podcast. I hope that's okay. uh, Listen, I do a multifaceted...
1: I have my trifecta thing that I do. Okay.
0: Hit it.
1: Um, Usually I, I, you know, obviously read the script, read my lines, blah, blah, blah. Then I write them down so that there's an association between my, uh, you know, I'm cerebral, like activating it through my handwriting.
0: Muscle memory to a certain extent. Muscle
1: memory. Yeah. And then, thank God for the iPhone, because I record... The dialogue. So that's the second part. I write it. I record it and I listen to it so I can listen to my lines if I'm doing the dishes, if I'm going for a hike or I just let it seep in. And then the third thing I do is that I record. Well, in a monologue, there's no other, obviously, dialogue. But if there's other conversational stuff, I record other people's lines so then I can read it to myself
0: right does that Talk make sense that to yourself that yeah, totally yeah. covers it that totally covers yeah. it yeah I don't know how you would not yeah we have a, a there's an interesting trend on this show on on the podcast where I end up talking to a lot of people who join successful shows midstream, which you've done a couple of times.
1: More Iconic than two. Shows midstream. <laughs> More than two. That yeah. seems to be my it, M.O.
0: <laughs> it, it's an interesting beast. And, I mean, obviously, you know, West Wing is loaded, no question. But what is it like to hop on to season, am I right when I say season seven of The X-Files? I joined eight and nine. Eight and nine, season yeah. eight of the X Files. Yeah, that I mean. How, first off, what was the the vibe on set? Were you were you greeted? Were you treated as an interloper by your other cast members? How did it go?
1: You know, I think um, it was it was it was lovely. I uh, Robert Patrick had joined first mm-hmm. as as a, as Agent Doggett uh, as a as a possible sort of, let's carry this uh, mythology on. But David and Jillian, at that time, after eight seasons of this ridiculously exhausting show, and they they were tired. Yeah, n- sure, no doubt. They they were tired and um, probably more exhausted uh, than tired. So when I joined, I knew they were trying to kind of flip. The Do- the Mulder Scully, so that I was the that Doggett was the skeptic, and, and I the was mar- the believer. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But she's interesting. She's a very practical kind of believer. Hmm. And you mm-hmm. know, there's there's not a lot of woo-woo about her. And it's it's you're really well established as someone who mm-hmm. believes there are UFO cults, but also believes there are UFOs.
1: Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, listen. I am. I I had such a That was such a um, fertile, ripe time for me, both, I I don't know, I mean, I just, I met my husband on the show, Uh, I'm forever grateful, I I have, you know, deep friendships with Jillian and David and Chris and Robert, and you can't not have, in the family that comes from a show like that, Mm -hmm. you know, you you just, especially back in the day when they had money to burn and you could... Shoot for twenty-two hours, and <laughs> you know it was. Fridays were, you know, um,
0: Friday days are becoming part of the nomenclature now. But on the off chance that my my listeners uh, uh, aren't uh, aware, a Friday is
1: uh, a, a Friday when you go to work because of turnarounds. Friday, you inevitably work into a Saturday morning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's a day of the week that that show business created <laughs> yes,
1: yes. and I'll be curious to know if it continues though, because of all of the new safety things and whatnot
0: i'm I'm hoping they can work you like a dog on, on to uh, late on Friday because um they can't bring you in on Sunday, and uh, they will you will get your twenty four hour turnaround no matter what you'll you won't yes. be back till Monday. So <laughs> yeah. many's the time I have left on a Saturday morning at dawn.
1: That's um, right. Oh um, yeah because
0: you're and only because you're gaining light they don't have the shot but it's just not dark <laughs> enough anymore <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly what a um, what a wonderful strange world we lurk in you it know? is
0: it is um it is very strange but um it um i, I prefer it to word processing the um mm-hmm. the word processing how, how are you? i'm fifty two there we go I've also said <laughs> I'm fifty because I said word processing um yes my typing is amazing the um um how – are you the sort of person who – yeah, there's no social media yet, thank God, but this is like 2001 you joined X-Files. Are yeah. you the sort of person who listens to fan reaction? Uh, you know, And I'm not th- leading you anywhere. I don't know how it was greeted or or what how it went down. I just know that was a very intense fan base.
1: Yeah. No, I think in that case, in my case, ignorance was bliss. I had not really – I remember watching the, you know, X-Files in my college freshman dorm when it first came out because that's when it had come out in 89. And I joined it in 2001, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it was 90 whenever it premiered. I I wasn't in, inherently connected to the sci-fi world or fandom, so I didn't know. I knew that it may be received with some, you know, condemnation or hatred (laughs) but but listen you know you can't you can't hear that when you're going in you just have to put your head down and do the work and i was so grateful to join the show and and i especially for several reasons not the least of which it was a successful show but i really like i like being a part of a structured community troupe That is that you go to work and you have a family and you know your work and it's set. I'm I'm a I'm a structure person that way. I thrive on that. So so the two years on that show were just I loved every second of it. I I love being a part of a series, actually.
0: Yeah, it's a nice feeling, not just for the financial gains, but it's, it's just a nice sense of like.
1: Security. In a business
0: that does not, yeah, security, <laughs> but stability, too. Like, I have a place to go. I have a place yeah. to go. My yeah. And, you know, nowadays, you know, your GPS goes, oh, are you going to work? i like, yes, I am going to work. So, you know, <laughs> here we go. Let's yes. uh, it's, it, it can be a very um, uh, satisfying feeling in a business mm-hmm. where we're so often adrift. I love that Reyes is trying to quit smoking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. What a great thing to give her. Mm-hmm. as like it's not it's more than just you know we we use the term business of like which usually just means something to do with your hands while you're talking but it's more yeah. than just business with her it speaks to something larger can we talk about that a little bit was that your idea to, to make her try to quit smoking or no
1: that was in, that was all chris and frank um and i think i mean i i think the the metaphor is obvious if you really play it out like you know, quitting the habit of what you know there right. it was like a trying to pass the baton and say let's let's maybe move on and accept Reye's and Doggett. <laughs> don't you think
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Julian Anderson is really fun, but she's nicotine um, I... <laughs> no i've I've twisted the metaphor, I fucked it up, okay, okay, but yeah, yeah I, no, I see no, no, your no. larger point no, I think there's there's a lot to that I think the the um and I, I again, we, we talk about there's this very it's almost like a superpower with her 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 incredible empathy and how she can she can read fear off of off of the the notoriously steely Scully. Mm. You know there's there's so many opportunities for you to kind of go in. You mentioned earlier that you're a Pisces. I don't mm-hmm. know a lot about astrology mm-hmm. How does being a Pisces manifest in Annabeth the person in Annabeth the actor?
1: I mean you just described that uh the just the I- inherent intuitiveness that those are that's a kind of a piscean trait and it is me like I am I I just am to a fault perhaps a little too um sensitive to other people's energy sometimes and should, you know but that's that 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 also plays to being amorphous, right? Like as an actor, okay. like putting, trying on other people's f- f- sensibilities, you know?
0: And sort of shifting your reactions depending on what you're getting from your scene partner? Mm-hmm. Does that totally.
1: come up? Muta- mutability is the best Piscean adjective.
0: I fucking love interviewing English majors. <laughs> such, it's such a treat. It really is. It really is a treat. <laughs> um, I'm a I'm a Gemini, which I'm I'm told, uh, and this is reliable that I, um, I I'm really fun at parties. I just should not be in charge of planning them.
1: Okay, <laughs> I just
0: should don't have my shit together. Just not have somebody have like your Virgos take care of like the sure. logistics. Organ- yeah, but I'll yeah. show up and I'll be a delight. <laughs> you, can, you can take me anywhere. Um, um, and Gemini
1: is very much like Pisces because you're too. You know, you're kind of a, a duality. So that's really there's good There's a duality.
0: Him. There's a hypersensitivity, I'm told. Um, uh, again, I, I, I know a little bit about my sign. I'm not the sort of person who can tell you about other people's signs. Because um, you're a narcissist
1: inherently. Because I'm
0: a narcissist. <laughs> uh, and I have my head up my own ass, which are Like Gemini all traits. actors. Like all actors. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> actress, but this actor in particular. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, uh, these are the only questions I'm going to ask anybody all week. So uh, <laughs> let's enjoy them. <laughs> okay. Most of the rest of the time is going to be me, me, me. Right. Um the um <laughs> let's talk about this this recent uh, horror niche you've um you mentioned uh yeah. earlier. Um two very, very distinct roles in the uh the Flanagan Repertory Company, we'll call it sort of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um uh what having done Hill House mm-hmm. and
1: Don't forget I'd done a film of his called Before I Wake that was— That's right. It was a a smaller role, but it was prior to any of this. So I've known Mike for, my goodness, since any of this happened. Ten years? Ten, eleven years? Twelve years? So—
0: all right, let me flip it a little bit. What do you yep. think he? What do What do you think he sees in Annabeth Gish? Why does he want to keep coming? Uh, I mean, I know why I would, but why does he? What does what he? Because he casts you in very different roles. You know, those those roles in in Hill House and Midnight Mass are are very distinct caregivers.
1: Yeah, yeah. One
0: is kind of like this weird sort of um, uh, you know gothic. Uh, um, uh, she's like Tight one ass. of the uh, <laughs> you know but she's like the the woman marmy. who runs the orphanage in Jane Eyre you know yes, she's a yes. real like you know she's marmy. she's a, a very set type marmy to a certain extent yeah mm-hmm. and then this um this really kind of chill science based
1: OBGYN yeah. yes yeah
0: who's taking care of her mom and taking care of anyone who's gonna try to have a baby on this godforsaken rock and yeah. and there's these two very distinct characters why does he come to you for these for these two roles and these three roles Ah, uh, I'm, you know... Go ahead. Toot your own horn.
1: No, I, 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 it's so interesting that you say this about the caregiver thing, because I, I, I hadn't recognized that or identified it as a through line, but you're, I think you're right. Um, Because even in my broken, flawed characters, like in Brotherhood or The Bridge, I'm still a woman who's loved to care, right? Yeah. Um, Sons of Anarchy, not so much, but um, you know, Mike. It's not a Flanagan. cuddly show. I
0: wouldn't care. And not a ton no. of characters on that show. I don't think someone else <laughs> exactly. took the role on not Sons he's of Anarchy. On it. <laughs>
1: no, exactly.
0: I've met Kurt a couple times. That's not okay. a you know, that's not a fuzzy kind of yeah. Anyway, go on. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think you know Mike has this inherent sense. I think first of all, he's just a uh, he's smart. He also likes the comfort of working with people that he likes to work with again. You know, he he likes to form his family. And then he's he doesn't belong to this Hollywood idea of that people just play one thing over and over again. You know, he really likes to give people chances like whether it's Henry Thomas or you know, he played uh, Rahul and obviously his wife Kate, but like he gives people I think he th- he knows we're all organs. Uh, well, I shouldn't say like I don't mean. I mean the instrument, an organ, or right, right. or you know, with many tones and many beats and many amplitudes. So I I think that and, and he kind of just doesn't take it so seriously that he's like, oh yeah. I think he likes to he likes to twist those those uh, conventions. And thank God because. You know, it's a joy. It's a joy to do it. And I think, and here's the other thing, when you know you have someone who's casting you, you feel free and safe that you've worked with before, right? Like you feel free and safe. Yeah. Which is what we all need to, to really test our limits, right? Right.
0: No, yeah, you absolutely need a sense of uh, will I be able to experiment a little bit? Will I be able to try yes. some things? And you yeah. need to know that the and it, it's especially keen to point out that he writes and directs mm-hmm. So I mean, he is in charge of the the whole vibe there. so your your question about the script, you can go to the director and it's the same guy yeah and and that's rarer than I think people outside the business realize um oh, yeah. I, I, especially in TV where directors would be like listen I'm here for the day I don't know you talk to the right. you can talk to Derek but he's upstairs you know <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> and it's it's always Derek um but but the there is a um there is an incredible sense on his shows now that you mention it of him not necessarily casting wildly against type, but pushing people's expectations about actors. You know, he's got, um, you know, sweet little Matt Saracen from Friday Night Lights, uh, you know, kills a woman Is before the different. opening credits. Yes. Fucking kills a woman.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: And to say nothing of what he's got Elliot from E.T. doing. Uh, so, exactly yeah so it's it's this kind of delightful and then when when I didn't recognize you when you showed up on Hill House I was like oh who's this this terrifying <laughs> woman and I'm like no that's the that's the she's a Bartlett daughter why would she be so come on <laughs> um, uh, and she's like the most sensible put together Bartlett daughter on a number of fronts um, uh, it, it's been really interesting watching him sort of push actors. You know I, know, I know Hamish a little bit in that sense oh, of uh, yeah. Hamish as a as benevolent authority figure. Because um, normally and, he's know, like
1: comedy kook, right?
0: He, he was comedy kook who's getting kicked around by the world a little bit. Yeah. And and to to watch him play this very particular kind of mm-hmm. of authority figure is just really exciting. So I take it those are fun to work on oh. despite the dark subject matter.
1: Oh my god, it's just the it's truly a gift to work in in that arena for so many reasons cuz you know, you you come back to this circle of of actors like a, like a theater troupe. It really yeah. is. And yeah, I'm I'm entirely grateful for my Mike Flanagan experiences.
0: You've hinted at it with Donna Moss on West Wing. But are there other roles that that you went out for that, that got away? They don't necessarily have to be things that you, they keep you up at night. In fact, it's probably better if they don't. <laughs> but are there, are there roles that we'd be surprised, like, no kidding, Annabeth Gish went out for blank?
1: Well, I mean, there's a freaking famous, I guess the, in Vanity Fair, there was some list of like that I was on the casting list for Friends for – one of the, I think, for uh, one of the roles. I don't know. I, I remember seeing it, and it was like, oh, I didn't know I was up for p- a potential <laughs> person on that. <laughs> oh goodness! The the listen the list. Did you read of, for it? Did you? No, no, no. no you have I have no didn't. recollection
0: of this. Okay. <laughs> no,
1: I just remember seeing like it was like in some whenever they stopped, and I'm sure we can find it if we Google it. But yes, I was on some sh- some casting list for for one of the roles, um, and yes, I mean, I've been doing this for 35 years, so the list of things that I've auditioned for and didn't get, or
0: the, the,
1: the roles that got away, are, it's heartbreakingly
0: vast. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be heartbreaking, though. I mean, does it still, I mean, if, if it really pains you, obviously, we don't have to talk about it, but I always find it like, how about this? I'll start. Oh, okay. (laughs) I read, went in, put my all, left it all on the field for Turtle on Entourage.
1: Mm, Okay. This is
0: not my role. Okay. (laughs) This is not my role. And that is the reaction people always give me when I tell them that. They're like... Mm -hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. And there has never been a question in my mind that Jerry Ferrara was not the guy to get that. Then this is his part. Look at him. This right. is great. Right. This is. I am actually from Queens, but you know what? Godspeed. Take it away, Jerry <laughs> Ferrara. Are there things where we'd be like, huh, really?"
1: Oh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, I. I when I say heartbreakingly vast, I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I. I. I'm. Uh, I'm not broken because of them. And I do believe in that sort of silly aphorism of, you know, we we find what we need or we need what we get or, you know, those type of things. Um, I don't know. Maybe I, I just have, like, I've blocked them all out. That's fair. I don't. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I've tested for lots of things that I didn't get, but um, but then you move on.
0: Yeah. Um, The um, the other one I ask a lot of the time, and I feel like you're going to have you'll have stuff to offer uh, on this one. Who are some of your favorite supporting actors? The people who aren't necessarily huge stars, but sort of fill out the size. You work with, you've worked with a bunch of people I can think mm. of off the top of my head. But, so many, <gasps> but but there's so many people.
1: Mm.
0: Who are some actors that were 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 not number one on the call sheet, but you were you just found yourself drawn to them anyway?
1: Holy shit, there are so many. Oh my god, you know, and one who's being feted right now to her beautiful, divine credit and timing is Gene Smart. Yeah. I worked with Jean years ago and you just knew. I mean, I don't know even what, how to define journeyman actor, journeywoman actor, journeyperson actor. Um, But like, you know, people who, who endure and amass a lot of a resume. And then so she's one of them who I just, you always knew there was something just exquisite about her. Um, and so much
0: range, too. So much like range. Just completely can do something shatteringly depressing I'm and, and a, then yes. can absolutely destroy a comedy. Just like. And just swoop in. Yes.
1: Just like this past year has, has shown. Yeah. I think there are so many of us. I really do. Um, oh my God. Who have I just worked with? I mean. uh, Lawrence Fishburne, but he's he's also a superstar, so I don't know. He, yeah, Fishburne's
0: he's, Fishburne's in a gray area, isn't he? But he's Fishburne? such
1: a he's such a consummate actor man uh-huh. that I feel like he belongs with us too because he's just there's no bullshit. Top of his game every day, works hard. Um, not nobody's waiting in their trailer for attitude. Yeah. I mean Fishburn,
0: I, I... Fishburn is is amazing. I I it always annoys me at um <laughs> One of the many things that annoys me about this business is how they keep aging him up. <laughs> <laughs> he got such a young start. He's like fifteen. He's illegally. He's not even supposed to be on set. Exactly. On now. Exactly. He's not even supposed to be there. <laughs> he yeah. has no business on that set. Yeah. But he's you know he's twenty minutes older than Anthony Anderson. He's playing his dad, <laughs> and it's infuriating to me. Um, but uh, you ever see Deep Cover by chance? No. Deep Cover is a is a Lawrence Fishburne starring role from the early '90s, where he plays an undercover cop who who gets hooked up with a, a drug lawyer named Jeff Goldblum. Oh, and if, if <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, played by Jeff Goldblum rather, and he um uh, Fishburne and Goldblum have their foils in this movie. I want to say Bill Duke directed it. Uh, it's this amazing early '90s noir that I always recommend to people. Uh, and the soundtrack also includes the uh, debut of Snoop Dogg, if you're, if that's your cup oh, of tea. just wow. Okay, just put it out cover. There. I'll have but to check cover, it out. But deep cover. Write it down. You'll love it. Yeah. Uh, if you're a Fishburne fan anyway, you're in for a real treat. Well, um. you know, to, to
1: that end, though, to your question, um, what I love about what I'm optimistic and love and hopeful about is this sort of, with all of these streaming platforms, it's kind of the democratization of performers. and. And we have so many platforms to be seen on so people can work. Yeah. We can we can really work. I know I know it's still a a finite competitive yes agencies can control the A list of bullshit. There all are
0: gatekeepers, that. no question. There
1: are gatekeepers, exactly. <laughs> yes. But I do think that the the pie is bigger and there's a lot of pieces of pie. Um, and I urge us all to kind of just keep thinking like that, rather than because I, I mean, I, I just have to. That's my survival.
0: <laughs> no, I, you know, I feel exactly the same way, but I'm treated like a lunatic optimist. Mm. Um, because I feel like, I mean, you know, you and I grew up with four channels, yeah, and those four channels had all the work, unless you were working in movies, right? And this sense of Fatalism. I think the the people are upset because, you know, nobody's making uh, nobody's making the friends money.
1: Mm-hmm. No one. Pretty
0: much anymore. There's like a handful. I mean, of people I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. 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 Um, and which is great. It's which is great, great by the way. Which is yes. great. Um, yes. There is more money to go around. Um, we can talk about media consolidation and that yep. those dangers and yes. and and how the 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 pie is bigger, but it's all going up to the same one guy. That's an issue, certainly. Yes. But there are so many more opportunities and outlets right now. Yeah. And and if we keep a strong union, I think there's there's a steady there's a way towards all of us working steadily forever. You know. I, I, I agree, I,
1: and I I choose. Always, I'm not gonna buy into this resentful, bitter attitude of, I, I just can't. Like, I, I don't. I think that 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 there's opportunity. I think we can create our own uh, content. I, I'm, I'm not the biggest self starter, no. but, um, no. but I. I, I had really, to be talked
0: into doing this podcast. This right. was not my idea. This was. I'm. I love it. I'm having the best time yeah. in the world. Not my oh, idea.
1: Great. <laughs> great, great, great. But I do think there's. I just. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna buy into this idea of like, uh, you know, the top one percent. Like, no. Uh, uh, uh. I think there's so much opportunity to be had, um, and I think it's a great time. I think it's a great time for women. I think it's a great time of for um, diversity. I know there's a lot to fix, but I really do, like you, I'm I'm going to sit on the side of optimism rather than despair or negativity. Uh,
0: someone, somebody was saying, you know, it just sucks that, you know, just, there's, there's, there's so much work, but, you know, it's paying so much less that you're never going to be able to retire. And I was like, I'm sorry, did we have – were we going to – was that ever in the cards? Were we? Were, was, were, yeah. What? What am I, Sean yeah. Connery? I'm not going to fucking right. retire. <laughs> I know. What am I going to buy an island in Malta? No, I'm going to work. I'm going to die right. on set. And I'm going to get the episode dedicated to me. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I'm at peace oh with God. that. I'm fine with that. <laughs>
1: right. Right. Oh, bite your have you ever, Don't say that.
0: Have you? That's... Uh, no, again, there's worse ways. You know. I mean, I, I pity the PA who has to pick up after me. But the um. The, have you ever done anything else f- as a job? Did you have like jobs in college? No. No, you were able to. You were able to. I to,
1: have honestly been able to. I mean, what through a, a blessing and whatever, you know. I mean, I've been financially independent since I was, you know. I, I, yes, I, I'm. That's still fantastic. Grateful.
0: I'm not. Uh, that wasn't like what I'm. What I'm. The reason I ask is because a lot of times people who complain about this business have never done mm-hmm. anything else for a living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and I have a, a remarkably uh, uh, short attention span for people like that. <laughs> Same. Oh, my I, gosh. Um, yeah, I, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I have a... But, you know, if... like the reason I know how to tie a tie is from years of temping. That's how I learned. I didn't learn it in a wardrobe class. I learned it because I had to show up at a a white shoe law firm with my tie in a Windsor knot. And um, and that's hard. And it can be kind of draining. And I always find that people who complain about this business have only ever worked in this business and think, You know, and there's narcissists in education. Ask your parents. Ask I your know. parents if in there's every, narcissists. In, in every... If there's harassment, if there's favoritism, totally. and if there's a complete politics, absence of meritocracy yeah. and politics, yes. and all those things exist in academia, in advertising, don't in medicine, started on law, yeah. medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Even medicine. Medicine, which should really be pretty fucking empirical at this point. <laughs> I know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but
0: this is great that you've only ever done this and you still have this wonderful enthusiasm for it.
1: I, maybe it's. Because I detasseled corn when I was a kid in Iowa, and that's one of the hardest jobs I've ever done prior to okay, so there an we Aggies. go. you
0: have done something else
1: well, but <laughs> yes, but but no, to your point, like no i have I have just had this re- remarkable um, yeah through through line of endurance thank thank God, maybe that'll change after I just said this right now. Knock on wood. <laughs>
0: Have I have I, i'm I'm not just optimistic in general. I'm optimistic about you. Uh, okay. and I uh, why don't we end it on endurance? Thank God.
1: Endurance, thank God. Cheers, Indeed, to, right? that. Cheers, Cheers to, to
0: that. Cheers to that. Annabeth Gish, thank you so much.
1: What a pleasure.
0: And that is an episode wrap on the charming and candid Annabeth Gish. You can follow her on social media at Annabeth Gish on Twitter or at Annabeth underscore Gish on Instagram. Get it straight. Forever. Dog.